Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as Top Coppers at BBC3, 2015 MICF Barry nominee, 2014 Ed Fringe Best Newcomer nominee, Tall One In at the Bear Pack. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Steen Raskopoulos. Hey, buddy. How are you going? Oh, Steen, I'm doing very well and even better for having the opportunity to speak with you. Can you tell me, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Uh, it's always a weird one. It depends on who it is. If I'm going to a party or you know, a social setting where... I know most of the people there and I'm meeting someone for the first time. Then I feel a bit, you know, more confident to say, you know, I'm a performer. I'll just say performer. And if they want to follow up with that, then I'll just say, you know, I do a bit of comedy and stuff like that. But if I'm just out with, you know, a best mate and, you know, we just start talking to some people, then I'll never say I'm a performer or anything. I'll just say like I'm a teacher or something really basic because it's always hard when, you know, you say, oh, I do comedy. And like, oh, you're a comedian. Do some jokes. Do some jokes. Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't have sunscreen for you to rub on my back. And I don't think it's going to go well unless I've got a soundtrack to follow it up. So <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a bit weird in this club. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just try and fly under the radar as much as possible. Was teacher a thing that you did before you called yourself performer officially? Well, I teach improv and I, I run an improv school in Sydney. So it's not, it's, you know, technically I'm not lying. It's actually a fact, but I'm, I, I just, I've had to really cut back a lot of my teaching, um, which, you know, I really, really enjoy. But yeah, just with all this other kind of like comedy and writing um, stuff, both here and in, in, in London, it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, you know, restricting me, let's say that. The fun is so demanding. Yeah, which is great. Like I'm not, yeah, I'm super lucky and very fortunate. Um, and if I could teach a lot more, I really enjoy, you know, teaching high school students and, you know, just teaching out of our school as well, which we have like a mix of ages and professions and, you know, people wanting to, to learn improv for various different reasons, which is really exciting. What, what excites you about improv? Um, I think just just the kind of risk of everything mm. i think it's just you know the spontaneous uh flow and 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 the 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 fear i guess when you first started um and turning that fear into joy now um i think it is great you know i do a two-man improv show with a guy called carla ritchie and we do a show called the bear pack and we do like mm. a, a one-hour show um where we play like 20 different characters and it's very much similar to like the princess bride if you've seen that movie where um you know we'll get a location at the start of the show in a word and so the first scene we call it the foundation scene so we always perform two characters in that scene so if it's like the princess bride the location would be like a bedroom and two characters you know we would play with the grandfather and son and within that kind of first location one of us would tell a story and then we'd cut cut away from you know that um, scene and start performing the actual story and then always cut back to the you know the telling of the story and then back and forth back and forth um, and it's always like a lot of fun and by the end of it both the stories wrap up neatly with a nice bow and um, you know both kind of characters in both stories learn a lesson or you know have a nice kind of opening or understanding of what 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 just happened for, for it to wrap up so neatly though and I appreciate um, that improv isn't, you can rehearse 
the style, but you obviously the, the, the nature of improvisational anything is that it's made up on the spot. Yeah, yeah. You guys must not only trust each other a lot, but have worked together a lot for it to get to that pretty little bow moment. Yeah, for sure. And don't get me wrong. There's sometimes where, like you know, our bow looks a bit secondhand that we borrowed from <laughs> Mum's you know, Christmas <laughs> present. But our hope is always to put a nice, fresh one on. Um, but yeah, I, Carla is one of the you know one of the only people that I genuinely trust with my life on stage. Um, you know, I've got other people that I love performing with improv wise, but for some reason we just get each other. We don't have to label anything. I know that if I say something that he's going to do exactly what I want and vice versa, which I think is pretty rare. And I think when you find someone like that, especially as like an improviser or a performer, you want to just constantly continue to work with those types of people. Yes. I am. I'm always amazed at people that, like yourself that do good impro because I've seen so much bad impro. Yeah. impro. Yeah. It's, it's re- really quite amazing. How, how do you, um, how do you prepare yourself for that? Um, well, I think with, with any improv, like when you first start, everyone sucks. <laughs> everyone just totally <laughs> sucks. I don't think there's been anyone in the world that is, you know, in their first week has just gone, Oh yeah, I get it. This is easy. Um, I think it took me like years and years and years and a lot of the skills you learn in improv, like, you know, they are skills. So listening is a skill. You need to practice it, you know, deploying and knowing when and when not to come on and or come off is a skill and you're only going to do it by sucking and going, oh, shit, yeah, I totally should have gone off there <laughs> or like I totally should have just shut up my mouth and listened. Um, I think it's David Rosowski, his name says something really amazing which I really enjoy um, which is, um, as, a, as an improviser, you should always be eager to respond rather to be eager to talk. Um, so I think I take from that is that you should be, you know, you should listen and have something to add value rather than just to talk because you know something on the subject. That's so great. Yeah. So when he said that, it was like, oh, whoa, that's, uh, that's mind-blowing. You know, and that's for someone who's been doing it for a while. And I think he only said, you know, I only took a class with him like two years ago. And it was just like another kind of eye-opening moment. You're like that is 1000% correct. Like you should never talk unless you've genuinely got something to contribute. Well, it's been a great podcast, Steen. Um, thanks for joining me. Um, I have nothing more to contribute because, yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I'm intrigued about the, the UK opportunity, the stuff that's happening for you over there. How did that open up for you? So in 2014, I did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it went, went pretty well. Um, pretty well. Yeah. Rubbish. <laughs> no, it went horribly wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, meant. I meant you got nominated for an award yeah, yeah. as uh, what, Best Newcomer. That's amazing. Yeah, it was fantastic. And, you know, the, the people I was nominated with was, was amazing and, um, you know, a lot of them have become really good friends of mine now. Uh, but yeah, I just, it's just one of those festivals where people were just scared, you know, putting the, scaring the little, sorry, they were scaring the living daylight out of me before I went. They're mm. like, this is going to be horrible. This is going to suck. You're going to perform to like two people a night. You're going to be flying for 10 hours and, you know, you're going to rock up to your room. There's going to be like two people there and then one of them is going to realize they're in the wrong show and leave halfway through, oh, gosh. you know, just all that kind of putting the fear of God into me. And um, I think I just went knowing that I just went in with the attitude of, 
like I know what I'm going into. I'm just going to put my head down, work as hard as I can. And then the, like if the worst thing that comes out of it, I become a stronger performer, like a stronger person, um, then that's, you know, that's going to be amazing. And um, for some reason or another, I, you know, I had a really fun festival. And I think after the fourth or fifth show, I just sold out the, the whole run, which is really lovely. Um, yeah, right. then I got nommed and then, um, you know, I, uh, I, uh, had some opportunities to sign with, um, some agents in the UK and I went with a woman named Dawn Cedric, who's just phenomenal. And, um, she's had a massive influence and, you know, has definitely changed, changed my life. And, uh, she invited some people to come watch me perform at the Soho theater in London when I did a run after Edinburgh and, um, a guy called Asher Tyler came and saw me who produced mm-hmm. the office and the IT crowd. Yes. And, uh, yeah, he was making a show f- with his production company called Rough Cut and with his cool young uh, young director and producer and writer, um, Keen, Birdie and Andy. And uh, they already filmed the pilot and um, for some reason or the other, they wanted to recast one of the other leads and uh, asked me to audition for it. Um, which you know, I always feel weird as like an actor or a performer when that kind of happens. You feel so bad. Um, but the script and the, like the, the pilot sizzle reel that they sent me looks so fun and so funny. So Top Coppers is like a spoof cop show um, yes. in, in the style of Naked Gun and you know, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and stuff like that. Right. It was so much fun. And um, yeah, so I auditioned for that. And then I came home and then I did an on-course. I flew back to London for an on-course season three weeks later and I had to do a chemistry test with John Kearns who won the Edinburgh um, Comedy mm-hmm. Award in, the, in that same year. Um, and, yeah, we just – in the chemistry test, we just got along so well and he's one of my closest friends now. Um, and, yeah, and then, I, then I, booked, uh, I booked that role and then some other opportunities came with it as well, which was yeah, really exciting. That's – Steen, that is so, so great for not only a reflection of your talent, you know, in recognition that you're, you're a pretty switched on kind of guy, but also that other people are saying, hey, we see potential and in a whole other country too, you know, it's often uh, difficult enough for comedic performers to get opportunities in their home country, let alone a whole other country. Yeah, but I think that was, ex- that, that was a whole, you know, I guess exciting thing that you know you, you went to a totally different country not knowing whether your stuff was going to hit or land it's not as if you know i do normal stand-up and i can just change a suburb or a word to kind of fit into the context mm-hmm. you know the characters and, and audience bits that i do um i don't know i still had reservations about it but i was like nah like you know i'm gonna give it a crack and if it works it works and yeah it just stuck and luckily people enjoyed it and yeah from from then I've been very, very fortunate, very lucky to be given some other opportunities. For those that are unaware, how would you describe the Edinburgh Fringe uh, in its context in the comedic world? Oh, it's the biggest fringe festival in the world. Um, you know, there's like thousands upon thousands of shows um, a day and the whole city is just immersed and taken over. It's one of those... It's kind of like New York when people talk about like, you know, the city of New York, but mm. you don't really understand how big it is or how amazing it is until you literally set foot in the, in the city. Um, yes. I'd say the same about Edinburgh. I don't think I could describe it and do it justice, but know that there are shows going 24-7. Know that any pub, house, 
venue that has a room will be used for a comedy show. Like you'll you'll see shows in taxis, in restaurants, in you know, and not just comedy. There's clowning, there's music, there's buskers, there's plays, there's theatre. Um, it's just one of the most lively cities in the world for that month. Um, yes. And, I, you know, I've never been to Edinburgh apart from, you know, when the festival is going on. So I'd love to just go there and see what it's like when the, <laughs> when the festival isn't there. Um, but there's, you know, there's like tens of thousands of people flying people daily. Um, and for some reason or other, you got to try and figure a way to make your show stand out from the others, make people, you know, enjoy it. Which makes the recognition of your nomination even more special and important too, that there are so many shows there uh, and so many people coming to try their hand or returning. Uh, there's no guarantees, even if you're a seasoned Edinburgh uh, performer or attendee, that this year's show is going to go, you know, might, is hit the heights that maybe last year's show will hit, is there? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, that, and that's the scary thing. I'm going back this year and I had a year off, so, you know, um, whether the momentum will continue to to be there or whether I've got to start again from scratch. But, you know, I'm prepared to work and work hard and, you know, if I've got a flyer, I'm going to flyer. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just hope that uh, we get similar types of, of audiences who enjoy the show. What What does your downtime look like? The time when you go, I need to not perform and just be steen? Um. It's a bit of everything. I really love sport. So I love watching sport or, you know, trying to be active as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into yoga a couple of years ago, which has been really nice to kind of, uh, I think when, you know, because I do a lot of characters and improv and audience stuff, there's always, you know, a lot of my inspiration comes from listening to music or seeing people on public transport or, you know, meeting people yeah. or seeing people. So my brain's constantly ticking over, you know, <laughs> and then, uh, I get caught a couple of times by, by my wife or friends when I'm uh, just muttering to myself. Like in my head, I'm doing the character, but I think I'm doing it in my head, but really I'm physicalizing it and mouthing. And they'll just turn around and go, Stan, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, oh, sorry. I just generally look like a schizophrenic on the street. And then all these people are looking at me and I'm like cowering and like my, my hands are like crunched over and I'm you know being very malicious with my eyes and mouth. <laughs> and my wife's like saying, it's fucking doing it again. Stop it. I'm like, oh, sorry. I was just thinking about like a witch character that I can play later on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've got to try and shut off my brain a few times. So I find yoga a good way to do that. Um, yeah, and I like video games and stuff like that too. So I'm a big Xbox fan. Preferences? What's your favorite? What's the game you're playing at the moment? Uh, I'm playing FIFA, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Assassin's Creed uh, franchise. Cool. Yeah, yeah. We're just about due for a new Assassin's Creed yeah. um, uh, drop, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. Well, I'm excited about the movie coming out with Matt uh, Michael Fassbender. Yes. I think that'll be sick. Oh. Yeah, it, it's going to be so good. Yeah. Fassbender is amazing, and I think that that whole uh, world that uh, the Assassin's Creed story is written in. Is, yeah, so much potential. Yeah, and I'm glad that they're moving it away from the video games. Like they're creating their own universe but still yes. keeping true to the game, I guess, which I think is, you know, you can't piss off <laughs> the, the the gaming nerds if we kind of like still, you know, give a hat tip and honour to the game yes. but, you know, create a new character, which I think, uh, you know, had to happen. 
Is your wife a performer? No. God, no. Um, <laughs> God, no. No, I don't think I could date another, like, or go out with another performer. Because um, when I go home or after I finish a show, I hate talking about shots. Like, I hate talking yes. about um, stuff. You know, because if you... If you're a if you're a businessman and you work from you know or businesswoman and you work early hours from you know and come home you don't want to talk about business you just want to relax so I think if you know some people do love it and some people enjoy it but I think you know performing a show then coming home and talking about comedy sounds like the worst the worst <laughs> thing in life. Um, that's right I've just had a great night on stage let's analyze it to the nth degree now yeah but genuinely and you, you know that's why like the festival is so great because. You know, great and great and bad, by the same token, because you know you see all your friends you haven't caught up with ages, and you love seeing shows, and then you finish your show, and then for some reason you get trapped by people talking about why you got this review and that review. And I'm not a person that you know reads or engages in reviews, so you know you're just like, oh, I don't really want to talk about it. Let's just talk about how you're going and how's your life, and I want to know more about you as a person. Um, but yeah, but that's just that's just me. Uh, but no, she's not. She's uh, she works for a she's a marketing manager, and uh, yes. but she's she's really into food. Um, she's an amazing, amazing uh, cook. So she studied at Le Cordon Bleu. Um, wow! Because she she's into food. Yeah, generally, but she's an amazing writer, and um, I think eventually, like, she wants to like, you know move over to the to the food side. And if I can do anything to help her with that, I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Oh, it's pretty great when you come home from a show or, you know, you've been filming all day and she's like, oh, I've just experimented by making this La Hotte de Bar with the jus of blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> like I was happy with a toasty. <laughs> she goes, yeah, I'm so sorry. Like if I had more time, like the jus would have been cooking for like an extra couple of hours. But and you're like, no, this is amazing. Best. That's great. I guess bounced off that then, what's your favourite takeaway food choice? Ooh, takeaway food, takeaway food. Mm. It's, a very, it's a very important question, Lockie, and I'm glad you asked. Um, I love Thai food takeaway. I love yes. uh, I love a good pizza there. If you can get a good pizza at the, oh. at the, at the right time, oh boy, yeah. oh boy, you've got me, sold. Pineapple, yes, no on pizza. Oh, and a Hawaiian pizza, absolutely. But I'm not going to order like a pepperoni and pineapple, am I? No, you are not. That is very correct. What about yourself? What's uh, what's your flavor? What's your type? What's your takeaway? I think my fa- my favorite pizza, and I can't find it too often because there's only a few places that do it. None in Brisbane where I live. Uh, chicken and bacon with roasted pine nuts, um, some red onion, uh, and a couple of other like some you know, capsicum and those sorts of things. That is a killer combo. Oh, my God. That sounds amazing. Yeah. There was a, a pizza shop uh, on the northern beaches of Sydney that that was one of their staples and it was oh, it was to die for every time. I was going to say, like, I've got, I've been to Domino's before and I've never seen that on the menu. <laughs> you know, it's not a Domino's <laughs> thing. Oh, man. Chicken and roasted pine nuts on a pizza, that is a gift. Mate, that's heaven on a stick. That sounds like flavor country. Oh, I'm all the way down to Flavortown right there. <laughs> what one thing, Steen, would you change about your life today? Oh, shit. What a bloody bombshell. Um, what thing would I change about my life today? 
good question. I think mm, I don't know. I think I'm I'm very fortunate. I'm very lucky um, with what I with what I do and what I'm allowed to do. Um, I I don't know if I could change anything. I think I'm just a very very in a very fortunate kind of position. Um, mm. I think if anything, maybe just to be more confident in myself. I think a lot yeah. of the time I, I get in my head a lot. Um, um, I'm a perfectionist as well. So I really like to get things right from the get-go. And in terms of my style of comedy, there's a lot of, you know, it's subjective, but because it's improv or audience participation, there's a lot of stuff that I genuinely don't have control over. Um, yes. So maybe just um, just be a bit more confident in, in that. But that's like, pulling out a hair kind of thing that's you know uh there's nothing major that i'd, that I'd probably change um yeah you better comment on the back, back foot mate the old cur- nice. curly ambrose bouncer didn't see it coming oh look at that and that's a specialty in that regard though do you think that uh, you talked about you know maybe being a little more confident those kinds of things that that is the performer's lot though the the elements of you know doubting yourself or questioning whether it was good enough or that perfection that you seek that that is what makes good performers that constant drive to be to be better and to think about how it could have been better yeah definitely i think if you didn't have a bit of that self-doubt then i think everyone would just be a performer because i just think it's really easy um but you know you take the in the highs of the lows and um I think you know once you've been doing it for a while, you've got to you have to start backing yourself and um, you know because I think that that what take, what takes you to that next level um, to kind of just have that sense of a little. I think you need to have a bit of arrogance about yourself, not necessarily mm-hmm. off stage, but just on stage. Um, yeah. I saw Bridget Everett perform recently at the, at the Melbourne Festival, and she was so phenomenal, but she was just so like fierce and brave and mm. she just had this confidence and ego about herself that was just not arrogant but just like, holy shit, she's here. She's here to perform. She ain't apologizing to anyone. She's just going to get it. And then you meet her afterwards and she's the nicest woman in the world. Um, and I think you need to have that. Like you need to have that switch of yes, boom, like here I am kind of thing. I think sometimes – with, with uh, comics and even like sports people as well. I'd say like it's just that confidence thing of, you know, if it's a cricketer not scoring runs, or, you know, you know you can score runs, but you're just down on your confidence a bit. Um, it's the same thing. Like if you have a, you know, an off show or a bad show, then you start doubting everything. And then you go back to the next one, you have a good one. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. This is, yeah, this is what it feels like, you know, when, when you're good. So um, does that answer the question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting beast the the confidence success combo isn't it because you're right you can be on stage i'm you know best foot forward i'm going to project confidence and be strong and do the things and then come away and that's not what it's like but people are drawn to that they're drawn to the 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 confident and and you i rightly identify sports people when they project confidence uh they become fan favorites for that and, and how that plays out. Same with comedy, same with any kind of performing, I think. For sure. And I think what's been really assuring is that some of the people I've been able, very fortunate enough to work with and a lot of them like a massive comedy heroes of mine. So like Rich Fulcher was in um, Top Coppers and, you mm. know, he's one of the funniest people 
you know, before I even got to work with him, um, just seeing him on the Mighty Boosh and Snuffbox and things like yeah. that. And then when we got to film stuff with him, he was so kind and generous with his time with us. But after a take, we'd be corpsing because he was so funny. But genuinely, he'd just ask us and the crew, like, was that okay? Like, do you, do you guys oh, want to change? Yeah. And like, are you fucking serious? Like, You're that was not. amazing. That's so great. Are you doing what Year 11 Steen thought he would be doing? No. <laughs> year 11 Steen thought he'd be pulling babes for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I always thought I'd get into sport. I thought that was whether it be like trying to put, play or, you know, be something associated in and around mm-hmm. there, whether it be like a physio or an agent or a manager or something like that. Um, yeah, that's what I thought I'd, that's what I'd do. So I used to play cricket. And, um, you know, I, I, th- I thought it was okay. Like I used to play with Davey Warner and stuff like that. And, you know, I went to England and Sri Lanka on a couple of school and rec tours to play. Just casually. Just casually. Just, just casually Dave bowling out. Yeah. Um, but my, my buddy party trick story, which I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing and every time <laughs> I can drop it into a, an interview. Please, uh, um, yes. I've, I've actually bowled out Alistair Cook before, the England uh, oh, skipper. So that's my little... You know, I probably owe a couple of boys a, a drink for that because they were like, just shut up about it, man. Like you said it like 15 <laughs> times. Every time I read an article about you, you always bring up the Salas the Cook story. I'm like, it's the only fucking thing I've got to say. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and my my dad my dad used to play um, football for Australia and then he became CEO of um, Sydney Olympic when they won the NSL Championship back in like 2001, 2002. So I was always, I always used to follow him around the state, What you know, with the team and Yes. I felt like I was just, um, you know, part of the team in that sense. And I just love that kind of the day-to-day stuff of like the training and, the you know, the coaches' speeches before the game and then the aftermath. I just love that kind yes. of environment. Um, so if I was in year 11, you know, I got to see a lot of that stuff um, just a few years previous. And I always thought I just love that environment and that competitiveness and that camaraderie and that support. From a from a you know administration level right down to you know the the kit manager kind of thing that everyone was there yeah. to help each other and I think that's why I really enjoy the improv side of things and why we set up the school because I love that sense of community and I love that sense of as a teacher I want my students to be better than me and as a performer when I perform with Carlo we've got the you know the mantra that um, that Lindsay Haley taught me who's one of my mentors she always says that your job as an improviser it's to make your scene partner look the best. You, that's your job. You just want to make them look yeah. like the star. And if everyone has that same mentality, then everyone's going to shine together. But if one person has a bit of an ego, then we're going to lose that common kind of like teamwork and that camaraderie. Um, so, you know, when, when and I think that's the kind of struggle, as I was saying before, it's that having that arrogance and ego, but then I've, I come from a place of love and, and sharing and support um, for whether it's, you know, my scene partner or whether it's an audience member that I get up to perform with, um, mm-hmm. which is like a weird dichotomy kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, I just love that. I just love that sense of support and community. So I think I, whatever I do, I'd, you know, if it wasn't performing or writing, it'd definitely be somewhere in that field or, you know, a field where that, that can be done. So, Steen, what are you going to achieve in the next twelve months? Um, I don't know. I just, I just, 
I just am really enjoying performing at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. So I just hope people continue to come and enjoy the shows. Um, there's a few projects I'm working on in the UK, which I'd love to to continue. Um, so hopefully by the end of next year, we'll film a pilot for one of those things, which would be exciting. Um, but that's, yeah, that's a, that's a long game. Um, yeah, and just, just, you know, we're, we're this, the school, the Improv Theatre Sydney school that we run in Sydney is still growing and growing very rapidly. So we'd love to get our own space in the next next year or so and run everything out of that. Um, and then, you know, probably get over my fear of eating eggs as well. I'm still struggling. I'm still uh, still struggling with that. Well, you can never trust eggs. I know, right? That's what I've been saying since I was a kid. Everyone's like, Stan, you're weird. Just get a bacon and egg roll. I'm like, no, this bacon's fine with me, champion. <laughs> Sometimes far superior because eggs can be overcooked very quickly. Right? I know. Whereas bacon, you'll take it pretty much any way it comes. Yeah. And if the crunchier, the better, I say. Crisp yeah. that bacon. And see, that is something, it's controversial, and I'll throw this out. Americans really only go the crispy bacon route. Yeah. That's, yep. that's how they do it. And I think it has its place. I don't mind a good bit of um, not not sort of I guess medium well if we're going to talk that that strength, but there are just times when a good crispy bacon you know sandwich just hits the spot, oh, doesn't it? Definitely, and I'm not talking about a crispy bacon as in like oh these are bacon chips like feel that no. crunch. As you said, I think medium well is a great so that the 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 rind you can cut it. Mm. Do you mean like you can you can you can feel the texture, but yeah. the rest of it you want a bit of crunch to it. Welcome to the Bacon Podcast. Goodness me. Oh, everyone's frothing at the moment. <laughs> I need to go and have a bacon sandwich. Steen. Yes? Thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today. Please know the things you've said are very special and you're highly valued. Thank you so much, man. Oh, that's very sweet, man. Thank you so much and uh, have a great day. I certainly will. Obviously, you're on Twitter. Are there any other social accounts you want to admit to or alert people to? Yeah, you can uh, go to my Instagram account. So it's just, I think it's the same as my Twitter, Steen Rasco. Uh, I do, I've got a series of reverse photo bombs that are, that are, that are really fun. Uh, so you just, if you ever see someone taking a photo, like a tourist taking a photo, you just stand next to them, uh, but you don't, don't look like you're in their photo. And then someone takes a photo with you in them and you take it, but they, they think you're just taking a photo, you know, by yourself in front of the landmark, but you're really taking a photo with them, pulling a stupid face. Um, awesome. Yeah, so just check that out. I'm so down with that. I love to photobomb, particularly in uh, big public places. I love to try and just sort of be casually there. But another thing that I, I do love is, I'll, like, I'll happily take the photo for people. You know, oh, we all want to get in this thing, get in the shot. Here, I'll, I'll help. I'll take that out. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> And if they've got uh, an iPhone or, you know, a smartphone, I will flip the camera to me, take about two or three shots, <laughs> and then take about 10 of them yeah, so amazing. that they can flip through and they'll see this, but they may not discover me until much later. That's awesome. It's a great surprise. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Steen Rasco is indeed human.